We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. afternoon and welcome to today's Kilkenny Today and uh, if you're listening in and welcome to you delighted to have you with us. You may hear my voice sounding a little bit differently today it's Morris of course, Morris O'Connor as usual with you but um, coming to you from the Raidstown studio as I used to call it way back in the spring during the first lockdown. Now of course we're back lockdown again until level 5 until I think about the end of this month or the end of November so I'm probably going to be coming to you from the Raidstown studio with Kilkenny today's on Tuesdays and Fridays until we get out of level five anyway and we see where things go from there. But anyway, let's uh, try and forget about most of that COVID-19 stuff um, for the rest of the show. Uh, we'll be talking about the upsides or possible ways around it in a few moments' time with Seamus Nugent from Kilkenny Recreation and Sports Partnership. So we'll be chatting about staying fit or taking exercise during the, um, the the lockdown. We'll also be talking about staying in business. And uh, then at the end of the show uh, with Kathleen Funchen, our local Sinn Féin TD, who's their spokesperson for Children and Youth Affairs, we'll be talking about uh, the controversy over the data recorded by the Mother and Child Commission and the legislation that was passed in the Dáil last night and hearing uh, Kathleen's perspective on behalf of her own party and presumably a lot of the rest of the opposition in relation to all of that. Now, um, Seamus Nugent, good afternoon. Lovely to have you on the line. Hope we can hear one another loud and clear. You're a little bit faint, Morris, but I can hear you all right. Uh, good afternoon you, to you. You can hear well, very good afternoon to you as well, Seamus. Um, I couldn't help but think, Seamus, I was getting myself a new pair of runners recently. I, di- I didn't buy an Asics uh, branded one, but I do I remember thinking, somebody telling me that that brand name was actually meant, uh, means this old Latin phrase, anima sano in corpore sano, a healthy mind and a healthy body. Um, that's a, a thing that's kind of hard to deliver on uh, during the lockdown. Um, it is, but uh, the the numbers from the from the research would, would, would point uh, to would, would would disagree with that. Uh, I suppose there's been during the lockdown what has what has happened uh, initially in March was that um, organised team sports. Um, uh, and gyms and tennis clubs and golf clubs etc they all closed down so team sports uh, participation in team sports uh, went through the floor but what happened was that with the good weather and the uh, decrease in the amount of traffic was that people start getting out and finding their own ways to do things so personal exercise levels went uh, directly upwards Hmm. So what hmm. happened was that uh, you had a, a kind of an inverse relationship between the two of them. And uh, it, they've continued apparently through the summer as well. 
that people were finding that you know they had time uh they had more family time and it was very visible on the on the ring road and, and around Kilkenny. you could see that people were out with families walking cycling uh, down mm. along mm. The, the linear park and, and it was the same throughout all the towns we're hearing so the the numbers uh, exercising went up uh, mm. is, that, is, is that sort of thing either locally or nationally being um, monitored or surveyed in any kind of scientific way or is it just anecdotal yeah it was uh, Ipsos MRBI did a, a piece of work there for um, Sport Ireland on it oh okay okay yeah. so it's yeah so confirming changes and in practices um so now we're you know i think i don't know whether they went into it but it's well known that there's this strong connection between mental health and physical health um we hear a lot about anxieties that people are suffering around their mental health at times of the well at the moment getting back yeah, into this whole lockdown we're, we're working at home as well more and uh you know students and uh the, the you know it, it brought a big big changes in everybody's life so the I suppose the the best thing to do is to try and to deal with it through releasing the endorphins that are are uh, given to us through uh, exercising, and mm. um, so so yeah, and it, it, it you know at this stage I suppose with the second lockdown, the the big issue for people is you know closing off of uh, uh, getting uh, when ju- they got re- reestablished to it with uh, sports and with teams and clubs getting back into it then what happens then is shut down again and it's 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 going to test the resilience of people to go back out um we don't have that the weather isn't as good as good as it was in March, no, April, and May. however it hasn't been that bad now we had a bad mm. tuesday and wednesday the, the last week but if you look out at it there now it's uh just after five o'clock in the evening and it's absolutely beautiful out there and it, it's we're kind of appealing to people uh, to, to, to make an effort to get out for that. Mm. If it's mm. only 10 minutes from your door and 10 minutes back, you've, ha- you've done, mm. you know, your 20 minutes. Uh, so you kind of, you're suggesting that people, the obvious place to start for most people, particularly anybody who's maybe even not normally taken part in any organised exercise, just get out and get walking and maybe you need to dress appropriately for the weather. But other than that, there should be nothing stopping a lot of people that have a basic level of mobility. There isn't, and, and there's heavy rain due overnight, but it's to keep an eye on the weather and to find that uh, little window of opportunity every day when, okay, it's going to rain till 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, apparently, but then from 10 o'clock till 10 o'clock tomorrow night, it's to be fine again. So surely there's 30 minutes there where you can get out and walk or cycle or run or do a bit of all all three at some stage during the day, and that's what we're appealing to. And it, I think it's it's now it's more more, more necessary than ever to get out for that little period of time. Mm, and mm. with people working at home, I know myself, I'm working at home now, and I have a a standing desk here, and I'm doing doing a lot of my work uh, standing. But it's it's important either. Uh, I was listening to Professor Niall Niall Moyna. Uh, from the, who's the head of the School of Health and Human Performance in DCU. He was saying that uh, it, it, even during your working day, that uh, to have to set your watch or to set your phone to beep every hour on the hour and get away from your desk, move, go down the stairs, go up the stairs, mm. go and do a few jumping jacks, a few press-ups or a few sit-ups or something, because uh, standing at your desk is not even enough anymore. And yeah. there, there, now the research is saying that even the 30 minutes a day 
but that's because we're so sedentary for the other 23 and a half hours of the day that it, uh, it that the 30 minutes of exercise is not even enough now to uh, yeah. challenge your metabolism. And I would kind of suggest that, that the the value of the, the you know as people as you say like yourself working from home, they. They're, um, they're probably a lot of them sitting rather than yourself standing but really they, and I think a lot of people have got to the stage where they realise they're missing all those little mobility breaks that they kind of get as part of the natural kind of rhythm of, of an office day whether it's going off to get a coffee or going out down, up and down to a meeting room or up and down a couple of flights of stairs or whatever it is in an office environment yeah, going across and back to, to colleagues as well, or, or even yeah, the, yeah. the social interaction with colleagues is challenging as well for mm. people working remotely. And the, another thing that's presenting now is that people are working closer to uh, their, their fridges. Um, that uh, no. it's now seen that people are it's it's easier to go down and if you're sitting on your own in the room you can just uh, tuck into whatever is in the fridge um, or whatever amount of biscuits are in the place and, yeah and that sounds like a bad a idea I don't, I don't think ter- terribly many em- uh, employers would be happy about that and in fact employers um, for people who are working from home long enough I think they have to make some efforts to provide their employees or supervise them and having a proper workplace that doesn't involve sitting at the kitchen table probably within a couple of feet of the fridge um, but, that was, yeah. but that all that all contributes maybe to the downside or to the more it of a need for taking exercise. It was on a, a webinar during the yeah. week there and um, the, there was, there was a, diet, a dietitian from the HSE was speaking on it and she was saying that it is becoming an issue now because if you're in the in the workplace there's some uh, area of accountability to your workmates that you can't be scoffing through the the pie uh, at the break in the morning whereas when you're sitting uh, in your back bedroom or your uh, kitchen table uh, there's more of an inclination to uh, pull out the stuff and, mm. and tuck into it and eat as you're working and that, that's mm. becoming an issue yeah and like for you know that there's um I suppose maybe people who are more tech literate might turn to um, information on websites or maybe different apps and stuff like that for kind of encouraging them to take exercise. Is there there anything, any resources like that that uh, yourself and your colleagues in KRSP would be kind of happy about or willing to endorse? Uh, yeah, I'm, um, I'm not aware of too many, but I'm th- the very basic thing is is on your phone or on your on your laptop or, or your your desktop is just to set a little warning, and the the warning or you know your your alarm comes on every hour to get up and move or or when somebody rings you to stand up and take the call and go walking around the house for the call, walk down the stairs, walk back up the stairs so that you're yeah. if you're taking ten calls in the day, you're take, you're doing ten flights of stairs in the day. Uh, it's very small stuff like that. It's very easy to get um, kind of set set in your ways about just sitting at in front of the the, the desk and and, mm-hmm. and nailing down the hours until it becomes five or five thirty and it's time to log off again. Yeah. But that you are you kind of walk around and even on your small break, your tea break in the morning um, to get out of the house. And I know out outside in front of my house there, uh, I haven't done it in the last few weeks, but I was in a habit of getting out and walking around the green doing two laps of the green on my, my tea break in the morning and putting the kettle on before you go out and then just getting a cup of tea and bringing it up to the desk when you're mm. when you're coming back off your break. So small little mm. strategies like that, uh, setting your, your watch to beep and setting your, your laptop or whatever to beep as well and making sure you do move and, and taking calls and getting up and moving around on the, the phone calls as well. 
Yeah, I'm sure all, all that can, can help. And uh, it is true, isn't it, that anything that gets your kind of gets you to the point where you feel your heart beating is generally good as well, isn't it? That yeah. you, you need that little bit of intensity. Yeah, the, 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 the key is that uh, when you're exercising, that you're, uh, you know, if you're going out for a walk, that you're, your cheeks should feel a little bit red. You should be starting to sweat a little bit. And, and you should be just about able to hold a conversation with somebody. Uh, to say that if you're if you're if you're walking and you're able, you know, it, it, it's not raising your breath uh, that you're not really going. You do need to have a little bit of uh, intensity, as they say, into it. And that's where you get you're starting to get the benefit for your, your heart and your circulation yeah. and and everything like that. Yeah, so it's kind of needs a little bit of effort, I suppose. But um, I, the other thing I wonder about is like, and I know you're a very keen cyclist. Um, Seamus and uh, like lots of other people who play different sports whether it's hurling or Gaelic football or soccer or I, I play a bit of tennis myself or others my golf or swim or whatever all of those kind of things are pretty much all gone for the moment um, I wonder is it is it the cohorts of people that get involved in those kind of organised sports that are going, nearly going to get more stressed than than people who, who maybe just exercise on a casual basis going out for a walk or now jog from the house mm, I actually I, I, I kind of I've been a member of the local cycling club, Marble City Cyclers, and, and I could see over the lockdown what people were doing, uh, where you're only allowed to cycle within five kilometres, and I'm already plotting it for tomorrow. It's where I can go from my house. So I can go to the almost to the Castle Comer Road. I can go to Walls Lock. I can go back across from there to the Waterford Road to almost to Cuffs Grange to the Booth Hill. So there's... It's a, there's a little um, app called uh, 5kfromhome.com. If you put that in the app, uh, you allow the app access to your location. And it draws, uh, using the uh, five kilometers as a radius, uh, it draws uh, a red circle over where you can travel to in a, in a map from your from your house. So it's a very good uh, little app to or put it into your browser there. Uh, and you can actually see where the distances you can walk and uh, uh, get exercise from and you'd be surprised if you were to uh, if you were to um, not cycling now is a little bit different but walking those five kilometers and how quickly you build up um, steps and I suppose cycling as well is the the amount of the distance you can get just operating uh, within a five kilometer zone so that's a good uh, that's a good thing to, to download and even uh, you know, for people with, with families and that, to, to give their children uh, the app and let them look at it and let them plan the routes, find out where they live and find out how to get to move around in their community and uh, create a sense of independence maybe by cycling or walking through the, the, the areas that they, you know, they map out on the route for, for family walks or cycles. And actually, people will find out. I think, like I've, this has occurred to me myself and my wife had gone out for a few walks around town and stuff. You go walking around town, places you wouldn't normally be, and uh, it is safe for a start um, because you know the street lighting is there. But it's it's very educational and informative as well. You're you're finding out, you're looking at things, you're seeing things that you mightn't otherwise see, particularly when you're passing by in a car. So there's there's something to keep you kind of your brain stimulated and occupied as well as getting the body moving. Yeah, I remember doing some um, cycling lessons when in a secondary school in town uh, some years ago, and uh, some of the the kids in the school hadn't um, had only ever travelled in the back seat as a back seat passenger in their parents' car, and when we took them out on the roads, they couldn't understand like the nearness of cars and. Uh, 
you know the, the 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 furniture on the road and roundabouts and traffic lights because my own understanding of it was that they were kind of engaged on phones and, and games and that in the back of the car and they weren't kind of paying attention to the the road and that but uh, yeah it's it's quite a it's it's quite a, a, an interesting thing to see families down the canal and down the linear park uh, and discovering places that they hadn't been as you say and it's a little bit different uh, in November as we're approaching November now. Um, but it's, I still think it's really nice uh, to, to, to see um, Kilkenny at, in autumn time. And we're seeing now that the seasons are a little bit later. And, you know, the leaves are only on the ground in the last uh, two weeks, really. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's nice to, 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 to go for a walk or a cycle and, and to see what your town is like in, in, uh, from a nature perspective um, not in a car yeah, yeah, sounds great. So really the, the, um, I suppose it sounds like the encouragement from yourselves and, and uh, your colleagues in KRSB is literally just you know get out find out what's 5k from you know, have a look at the 5k from home get out walk dress up for the the, the, the weather whether it's yeah, day or time night time colder or warmer or whatever um, but just get out and do something and get your heartbeat raised a little bit. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Really. A lot of our programs yeah. now, uh, our programs have gone online. So we're, we're delivering uh, exercise classes uh, via Zoom for the next few weeks. There, are, there were programs that we had started up. So we'd started up our Monday night walking group and um, we wouldn't be deemed essential services. And, of course, it is a, a, an outdoor organized event so we're we're, we're planning on taking that group online uh, after the bank holiday Monday Uh, we have a a ladies less move class in uh, Johnstown and that's going online there with the the tutor out on on that group and our men on the move group on Friday nights uh, in the watershed that group is also uh, starting tonight with a Zoom class so people are adapting and people are, are finding ways of doing stuff and there, there always will be physical activity in that okay great so there's always something to do and people can have a look at carsp.ie for for those anything that's going online anyway and uh, yeah just uh, take the general message on board just we're get starting out there and do uh, we're starting with, with sport ireland promoting a new program uh for men over 45 as well in the in the next few weeks called uh, your personal best month because we know that men over 45, particularly those from disadvantaged communities, are, are very uh, least likely to be active. And as a result, they suffer uh, from poor uh, physical and mental and uh, health generally and more likely to die younger. So it's a, um, it's a new project that in- encourages men to stop making excuses. And, and men generally have all the excuses uh, for, for uh, not being active. So there's a couple of uh, national governing bodies, so Swim Ireland and Athletics Ireland, Cycling Ireland, Get Ireland Walking. They're all on board with the thing on this uh, initiative with the local sports partnerships um, to try and get uh, men in the 45 years and upwards uh, age categories more active. Great, great. Well, hopefully that works out well. I'm going to have to let you go with that, Seamus. Thanks a million for joining us here on Community Radio Kilkenny City again. Always great to talk to you and uh, stay well yourself. Anyway, no doubt you'll, you'll be keeping yourself well exercised and hopefully <laughs> you all too, and, all, and well. all the listeners as well, Morris. Okay, thanks a million, Seamus. Yes, all the best. Take care. Thanks Bye-bye. for joining us. We are Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM. 
Um, one of the other aspects, I suppose, I did say I was going to try and avoid COVID, but I can't really. And uh, there are many aspects of it we, we've been trying to deal with here on Kilkenny today. We're Seamus Nugent there just before the break chatting about um, people trying to get exercise and alternative forms of exercise are indeed starting to get exercise instead of um, being too sedentary. Another uh, big effect, of course, on the of the latest lockdown, of course, is on local businesses and particularly the, the businesses who've been forced to close their doors and uh, try and respond in other ways. And one of those local business owners is joining me on the phone now. Good afternoon, Anne Barber from the Butterslip Gift Shop. Good afternoon. Hi, Morris. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. And how are you in particular? Um, I'm grand. I can sit into <coughs> my radio shows. You're trying to run a business and you've been open and closed and open and closed open again and since and the spring. Yeah, as, as a friend of mine is calling it the second hibernation because it sounds a bit nicer oh. than lockdown. So we're going with yeah. that. And we're going to yeah, have a little can, hibernation yeah. period. Um, you, could, you could probably call it a lot worse than hibernation. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I know, I mean, you know, we're doing what's necessary and, and that's fine. And um, the first, obviously, the first lockdown was a big shock for everybody. And I feel this time we kind of knew what we were getting ourselves into. And thankfully, we were a lot more prepared. Um, so, yeah, we are coming into Christmas and there's a lot of preparation to do for that. So we've got our website um, you know, we're very busy on the website now doing delivery and click and collect and things like that. So you just mm. have to plow on and do what you can and, and offer the best service mm. you can to your customers, I yeah, think. Yeah, now you, you were, like I was talking to um, Fiona Deegan, the head of the local enterprise office, I'm sure you know well, back in, uh, during the middle of the first lockdown and she had just launched through the local enterprise office a series of supports for small businesses and yeah. one particularly yeah. about um, going online and uh, you just mentioned there a new launching a new website I pres- you, did you avail of support from the local enterprise office for that? We did. We did indeed. I have to say the, the enterprise office were brilliant. Now, we did ours last year. Luckily, we were we had it all ready to go before this ever happened. So the timing, you know, so it worked out really well for us. But we did get support from the local enterprise office. And I would encourage anybody in business to approach them, um, whether it's about building a website or with any other issues. You know, they're super helpful. Couldn't have been better. Um, so we got our new website up and running last year. And... Um, we, you know, because they, they do get a bit obsolete and they need to be updated and with the latest technology and whatever. Um, so ours is already to go. And, you know, it just means we spend a lot more time now, obviously, working on the website, getting products on the website, answering queries. Um, it's just a very different way of working. Mm. But it's great to be able to do it. It's great that we can do it and that we can yeah. still stay in contact with customers, you know. Yeah, I was looking at the website there, Anne, and it's very fresh and clean and bright looking. And um, like what struck me first is, um, you know, the amount of work that, you know, you, I suppose the non-technical side of putting that website together have to have to do because you, you've literally got to photograph every single product you want to sell for starters, don't you? Or get somebody else to do it for well, you. Well, yeah, I mean, there, that's one aspect. Of it. I mean, we would get a lot of images from our suppliers. So that's great. Now, I would do some photography as well just to personalize it a little bit more. But, um, you know, there, yes, as you said, there's even just getting the images all together, getting the descriptions of the products, it's quite time consuming. So um, yeah, it, is. it is a big body of work for anybody embarking on that. And then obviously yeah. we have constant updates of stock um, as well. So you're sort of constantly refreshing it, working on it. Yeah, because it has to be, I suppose it has to be able, the website has to be able to say whether or not you've got any particular item in stock as well or not. It's not to point. Well, exactly, um, yeah, you want to keep that and you have yeah. new items coming and then, you know, you want to have fresh things for your customers and new offerings. And so, yeah, constantly refining it and, and refreshing mm. it and things like that. Mm. And then alongside that, obviously, you have to keep your social media up to date. So people, you know, a website is no good just sitting there. Um, so we're, in, you know, we're, we're very active on Instagram and on Facebook 
um, and we get a lot of messages from customers on those on those platforms yeah. as well. So yeah. um, it's kind of a great way of keeping in touch, and that's where people will see your new products. Uh, and, and maybe query them and online thing as well and introduces a whole other element apart from your way of working that you described there um the whole other element that you you probably don't or may not have to consider at all when when you're just getting people to come in the door is um delivering goods to people you know yeah. like i'm sure some of your goods are very fragile some of them are robust some of them are big or small or flat or awkward shapes or all the rest that must be quite <laughs> all, a all of time, people um, yeah, yeah, no, it's a bit of a warehouse in the shop at the moment. It's like a packing warehouse at the moment. Actually, on Post are brilliant, and Post have been very supportive. They're like doing really good, um, uh, you know, delivery packages and, and bundles of labels and things like that. So that's brilliant. But yeah, like in the last lockdown, we did have to get ourselves organised very quickly because I didn't have all the packaging material. So it was a question mm. of getting that all that in. And um, at one stage, I was running around everywhere looking for boxes, but we, you know, we we, we fixed that problem. So so that's okay. Um, it, it's very different like when I started the shop 15 years ago you closed the door at 6 o'clock and you went home and that's just no longer the case now you're sort of constantly working on something you know mm-hmm. does, it, does it allow you to, to do like do anything else any, any kind of new um, offers to customers that you wouldn't be able to do if you were just relying on football coming in the door uh, yeah it, no it definitely does because I mean the one thing with the, well a lot of things one thing social media is the reach of it so yeah. um you know, we would be sending parcels all over Ireland now and, and further afield. So we have customers all over Ireland. Um, even, you know, even before the lockdown, that, w- that was true, that we would, um, through reaching out through through Instagram and Facebook, um, you're reaching a whole new audience. So it allows you mm-hmm. to reach those. And, and then you get a lot of feedback as well. So you can kind of take a temperature and say, okay, this is working well, this isn't working well. So um, that's actually really, really helpful in, in refining what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, sure it does. But it it is a very much a huge change. But then then you've got the the um, the other aspect of you know occasionally somebody is going to return goods for whatever reason. So they've got you've got that sort of the logistics of well, how do you return something that you've uh, sent out to yeah, them? It, to be honest, we're, we're very lucky. Much, it, it hasn't been an issue with our with our goods at all. I mean, we do. I think it's more of an issue with clothing footwear. I know it can be where people are trying on things, and we do a lot of baby presents, a lot of uh, birthday presents, and things like that. So we've actually had very very little in the way of returns. So thankfully, that that hasn't been the thing. I mean, it is it is definitely a big body of work for anybody looking at it for the first time. It's very daunting. It's yeah. it's it's a whole separate business, and you have to rejig your mind completely. And I know when I started, it, it's quite frustrating because you're used to doing things one way, and then you just have to relearn everything. Um, yeah. And 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 it, you know, so um, you just really have to get stuck into it. But look at that's what we have to do, you know. Um, yeah, would you, are you are you would you be sounding a note of caution then in in relation to people? You you had mentioned you'd been down this road before of trading online, and your current website is is actually a kind of a replacement or an upgrade. Um, you know, for given the amount of work that's involved and the different the different way of working and all the rest, is it something that you would say that other people, smaller smaller business owners, should kind of tread cautiously around or? How should they think their way into whether kind of a website and a fully functioning thing like you have an online shop with all the yeah. bells and whistles is is really for them or or are there actually simpler models or simpler ways of trading um, online? Like there are possibly. I mean, the first thing going back, to, I would definitely talk to the local enterprise office uh, for a start. Um, and I know they have really good mentoring programs available, and there might be an advisor you could be able to talk to there to see whether it is something that's useful. Um, I know a lot of the boutiques and other businesses in town are just are just using social media. Um, and maybe posting things on Instagram or Facebook and getting queries that way and 
and selling things on the phone or, you know, uh, through email or something like that. So that's, you know, you can feel your way into it that way, uh, I would say, before leaping into the whole website. Um, And it depends how complex your product range is, um, if it's something that can be easily sold online or whether you're off, you know, whether you might be better reaching out Mm. in a different way. Um, what made you? What made you guys get on online first? Like, what was the major impetus for that? That you said, "Oh no, we really need to do this." Oh gosh, like we're on a third website. Oh um, yeah, right. And, yeah. Bedroom, so we've had it for a long time. We're fighting the whole process. It just is the way. It's just I felt that was the way the wind was blowing, and you just couldn't be left behind. And what's interesting about the website is when the shop is open and trading, a lot of people would use it as a catalog almost, so that they would look at the website and come in and know exactly what they're looking for. Um, if those people are in a hurry, they've just dropped the kids to school, different things like that, and they just want to be able to come in and do something quite quickly. So even when they're not shopping online, I find that the website is brilliant for giving people ideas and saying, oh, yeah, I'll go in and get that now tomorrow. So um, mm. that's, that's, you know, that's another way it works really well. So even if the sales aren't turning over sometimes on the website, I know it's actually um, encouraging people to come into the shop and driving footfall. Yeah. And is there any way this this may not be any magic solution to this one but um, we'd often try and um, make sure we in in conversations like this on on air that we don't try and we don't forget um, our our listeners or your possible customers that aren't particularly tech literate or tech savvy Um, is there any kind of magic bullet way of trying to reach them at a time when the shop itself is closed yeah definitely I mean pick up the phone is the first thing I would say now obviously people might be working different hours at the moment and the phone might not always be manned but pick up the phone because people could be working on scenes and delighted to take your phone call and help you whatever like I know all the retailers I know are going out of their way to help people whatever way they can so the first thing I would say is pick up the phone and if you have anybody else in the house who's a little bit tech savvy just see if you can send an email or something like that just get in touch Anyway, like not everybody will have a fully functioning website. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people are sort of in the process of their building it. So, um, and like you'd be surprised sometimes what you can get locally if you just, as I said, reach out, pick up the phone, a place call, and and somebody will be able to help you. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, and see that you're you're up and running that long, and you're, you're well used to it by now. You probably have a good handle on all this. Is there anything in particular flying off the shelves or the virtual shelves for you at the moment? Oh, Jeannie Mac, um, <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Well, at the moment, we're selling a lot of hats and scarves, given given oh, the very good, the given the time of year. Listening yeah, to, uh, exactly. James Nugent, they were all getting out for lovely autumn walks. So, um, very, and also the fact that I think we're all, um, you know, outside having our coffees and things like that. So. Big bully scarves and hats are very popular at the moment, so they're flying out, we're doing, uh, and we have a lovely range of those and gloves. And they're also they're also great presents, you know. So um, yeah, <laughs> and very very convenient for packing off and sending to Brilliant. people in the lovely and light. Send somebody a lovely no, scarf and no like risk a big of hug. no risk of breakage there. Exactly, <laughs> no, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, so how are you how are you feeling generally then about business in the next six weeks or the next hopefully not more than six weeks, but anyway, hopefully not more than six weeks. I mean, we can do six weeks. We really can. Um, you know, I'm conscious that for other people it's a lot harder. It's very tough in hospitality and other businesses that can't do anything. So from that point of view, I feel that I'm in a relatively lucky position. So, you know, we're just staying positive and, and working through it. Mm. And but of course, you've been, I suppose this is the second time around and I think a lot of people are taking a collective deep breath and sigh of... We're of taking a collective breath, definitely. And, but you know what, the local support like this is amazing. People have been so good. We've had lots of messages of support from people in the community. Um, and a lot of people expressing that they really do want to do as much of their shopping locally as they can, and and that's really really appreciation. It's brilliant to see that kind of community spirit because that's what will keep us all lifted. 
Yeah, and presumably you'd be, you'd be looking forward anyway to getting the restrictions lifted and having some sort of a half-decent, normal run-in for three, four weeks into oh, Christmas. Oh, definitely. And, you know, yeah. apart from anything else, you just miss the fun and the crack of having people in the shop and chatting to them. I think we all realise that after the first lockdown that we missed that human interaction and just meeting people on the street, um, yeah. even just casual acquaintances. So, And, and that's the beauty of something, you know, of your local shops is that you go in and meet people you know and have the chats with them and get a bit of reassurance um, as well as getting whatever you need. So, um, yeah, we'd yeah. be looking forward to seeing everybody in real life again, definitely. And I suppose having, having built up the online business and uh, when, when shops do reopen again in, in the more normal mode, you, you might find yourselves run off your feet kind of trying to run two different styles of business. I, <laughs> I think so. I think so, Mara. So we're kind of planning for that at the moment. We'll definitely need extra staffing on that. We will have somebody full-time working on the online side of things because, um, you know, I want to be able to give my full attention to customers when they come into the shop and give them everything that they need. So we'll have somebody working full-time on, on the back end as well. Yeah, like it's, it's actually a separate business at this stage. It needs to be run like that. So, yeah, we'll, we'll try and get prepared. We have the time anyway. Well, I'm sure there'll be lots of the listeners who'll be looking forward to seeing the doors reopen um, whenever and uh yeah, that's good to give them plenty of time to drop in and say hello. Exactly, now, yeah. Well, Christmas, in the meantime, sure. we are online and we're doing click and collect as well. So we have hours we can just pick up your parcel at the door safely um, and we have delivery. So, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And you're on butterslip.com, I believe. Uh, butterslip.com, exactly. Tech's yep. heavy enough to get on the internet. Great. Yeah. Well, look, it's lovely talking to you and, and, and great uh, that you're, to hear that you're so... Well, you certainly sound very upbeat and, and positive and energised by the whole um, the whole thing and the whole trading online activity and and the very best wishes for surviving anyway, at least surviving and thriving and uh, surviving onwards and, and upwards between now and the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks Great to so talk much. to you, Anne. Have a lovely it. weekend. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks a million. And uh, that was Anne Barber, who's owner and proprietor of uh, the Butterslip gift shop there on Rose Inn Street, just chatting about uh, the, the challenges and issues involved in taking a business like hers, um, small enough shop online, and as she mentioned, great supports available from the local enterprise office be it through mentoring or I think there may be even grant supports of some amount of money for um, helping you move a business online if there's anybody, yourself or anybody you know, is interested in doing that. Sounding a note, of, a little bit of note of caution as well that uh, think your way through it and um, maybe that straight, full, fully-fledged online shop isn't the first port of call. There might be other ways of doing it. Anyway, it's now uh, 20, 19 minutes or 18 and a half minutes to 6 o'clock here on Community Radio Kilkenny City. We better take another ad break but um, after the ads we'll be back with um, Kathleen Function TD so do stay with us and we'll be back with you in a couple of minutes The Voice of the Black and Amber Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM We are Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM Kilkenny Today on Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM with Maurice O'Connor Kathleen Funchen, uh, Sinn Féin TD and spokesperson for Children and Youth Affairs. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us, Kathleen. Thanks very much. I know you're uh, extremely busy. I've heard you on various media outlets in the last couple of days. Um, Kathleen, I don't know whether you're expecting this particular current political storm to blow up, but um, you're very unhappy about some legislation that was passed by the Dáil last night. We may as well give it its full name, the Commission of Investigation, Mother and Baby Homes and Certain Related Matters, Records and Another Matter, Bill 2020. now, I know it is to do with the records and the data that were generated by the Mother and Baby Homes Commission of Investigation. Can you just remind us of the kind of the history of how this thing has all evolved before we get into the substance of well, like what's where, where it's all gone wrong as far as you're concerned? 
Yeah, well, first of all, we were absolutely devastated to see the legislation passed. So it deals with um, what are called mother and baby homes. But I think we, to be honest with you, mother and baby institutions or detention centres is a better phrase because they certainly weren't homes. They were places where women were pretty much imprisoned, locked in. Um, in many instances, gave birth in very horrific conditions without any medical support, uh, without any pain relief. And a lot of women died in these institutions. A lot of babies and children died. And a number of years ago, a very, I suppose, grim discovery was made of around 800 um, bodies of babies and children in a disused sewer or septic tank in June and it prompted the, I suppose, the mother and baby home investigation or commission um, and I think really given that we kind of knew the the history and knew you know what was going on in these institutions it's terrible to think that people had to wait that long firstly to even get a commission of investigation and now five years later um they're looking to seal the records so that means that all of the investigation work that was done and records and data that was taken would be sealed up for 30 years uh, except in um, a database which they um, are going to send to TUSLA which is the Child and Family Agency. Now many survivors and their families who have tried to trace either children or people tried to trace mothers have not had the most pleasant of experiences with TUSA, they themselves, the virus would say, would not want that organisation involved in storing and holding the data, and they feel very strongly about that. And what we had in the last two weeks was a piece of legislation rushed through the Shannon and the Dáil, not given the proper time for debate, not given the proper time for scrutiny, and crucially, zero consultation with the survivors, the very people affected by it. So, um, it's led to a situation where now, um, as of today, it officially passed through its last part in the Shannon. The records will be sealed, uh, with the exception of the part that will be sent to us, the two very things that survivors uh, do not want. So I suppose it's um, extremely insulting and hurtful to anybody that went through that system, that this is now um, what they're faced with. And after all of these years and after all of the injustices that were done against them, they are still now going to have difficulty getting any information about themselves or their families. Like so many people, you know, have, have no idea about if they have siblings, maybe who their mother was, or you know, just a lot of people even come to us regarding basic medical information. But it's very difficult to access that, obviously, if you don't have a family history. So it's just incredible to think that, as bad as as I think the government are at times, that they would actually stoop to this level and rush this through. You know, we made the, the argument on a number of occasions over the last few days to the Minister that he should pause this and he should make sure that it's given the correct time for a debate and he should meet with survivors and look at the issues and, and rather than just, just powering through and rushing through and they were just absolutely not willing to listen to that. Yeah, I mean, on the face of it, um, you know, kind of from from what little I've seen or heard of um, the minister Roderick O'Gorman in, in public, he seems to be a decent enough sort with that we, we kind of would think would have a an element of sensitivity. Do, do you really think that government have this was a deliberate government decision to ram this through and to try and maybe get shot or something or close off 
possible exposure to litigation or like or, or is it just something that was maybe a blunder and a mistake that was made that and not not really sufficiently well thought through it really could be either of those i, I have to say i've obviously dealt with the minister a little bit now since, since he came into the role um and i have found him to be a very nice individual very pleasant um and i genuinely thought someone that you'd be able to work with so it's really disappointing that given that he is a new minister and given that there's no way there's a huge amount in the portfolio now it covers children youth disability uh, integration and equality that he should have really for himself as well have halted this for even three months so that he knew himself exactly you know where he wanted to stand in it i think he made a massive massive mistake by just powering through and it's actually just come out i think in the last maybe hour or half hour that the Data Protection Commission are now saying that they're in breach of EU and Irish uh, GDPR law by passing this. So nice, yeah. this argument, yeah. I think, is, is going to. And it 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 sounds it, like it seems as well from what I've heard that 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 maybe there's some of the sense of even mistaken, if you want to call it that, if it is mistaken urgency around this was that was that um, the, uh, the like the, the the laws under which the Commission of Investigation, the Commission into the Mother and Baby Homes operated. Um, you know, laid down exactly what was to happen to general records and all the rest, but didn't make the provi- any provision for the the stuff that you described that's going to go to Tusla, and so that and and the commission then was due to I think isn't it isn't it to hand over its report and therefore kind of basically dissolve itself at the end of this month, and that may have been what lay behind. Um, a sense of urgency, even if it was mistaken, and there weren't alternatives uh, explored. Yeah, well, that's that's what we were told that there was this big rush that had to be dealt with by the 30th of October, and I do understand that that's when the commission went to hand over their report. But the commission have looked for six to seven extensions; so they have looked for more time, and I think that's totally reasonable. You're, you're dealing mm. with a huge amount of of data and stories and information. But if they have mm. looked for more time, surely the minister in his role could have said to them, well, I need to actually ask you for three more months while I ensure that this is all dealt with correctly. I don't think anyone would have thought that was an unreasonable request. Um, no, and there's nothing, yep. uh, there's actually as well nothing in the 2004 Act that says that they have to redact the information, which is why another argument that was used for why they wanted to bring this forward. So it's very, um, it's hard to know exactly what the government are playing at, to be honest yeah. with this. Yeah, no, I, um, I believe that there's. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong on this one, uh, Kathleen. That that there there's some some statement, either whether it's a statement or it's actually embodied in the legislation that was passed last night or in the Shannon today. That like the data that is to be transferred to Tusla won't be redacted. Is that true? The database. Yeah. Yeah, the database. That, yeah, that, that would yeah. never have been. Yeah. Um, redacted because that's yeah. Do, do you know what's in that database, by the way? Like, just kind of, it's all very well talking about a database, but it's much more meaningful yeah. if we're going to get a sense of what's actually what is in it. I don't actually know, and, and this is some of the other questions like which information you know, we're told it's just the database that'll be transferred to Tusla, but what exactly is that and what's in it and, and what would be sealed? That That's unclear. And as I say, I really do think the minister himself wasn't 100% sure of everything, and it you know, you can't rush legislation, like I don't like things being delayed either and I don't like the way sometimes in the dog things can get dragged out forever in a day, but I, I think just a couple of more months would have been acceptable to make sure that all this was, was dealt with and, and crucially to make sure the, the survivors 
were actually consulted and spoken to. I mean, they just seem to be consistently making mistake after mistake. And when it comes to consultation, we even saw yesterday, um, you know, with the cervical, the proposed cervical check tribunal like that, the women involved in that weren't really consulted and weren't feeling happy about what was proposed. So you have to speak to the people and, and you also have to listen to people. I mean, practically every CD and senator that spoke on this debate said, said very clearly that they had never received there's such a volume of lobbies and emails and phone calls and people reaching out to them. Well, you need to respond to that. You need to listen to that. And at the very least, if you're unsure of what to do, well, then you press pause and you say, okay, we do need to give this more time. We need to figure out exactly um, where where this anger is coming from. And, and, you know, to me, that seems very straightforward and clear. And I just don't understand, you know, what the big rush was, especially after our all of the years of, of people waiting for, for justice, I think it's an insult to them, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And I believe there's about, like, whatever is, is in the database, that there's something around about 60,000 people's records, whether they're, I suppose, a combination of mothers and their children that are involved in that. So there's an awful lot of people who's... Yeah. Um, and a huge proportion, I presume, of those are still alive who may be interested in what is in that data. I'm interested in what you were saying about, um, you know, and I can understand it, I think a lot of listeners will, the reluctance of, you know, some people who might have had, you know, not the best of experiences dealing with um, Tusla over the years and, and would have a lingering reluctance to have any dealing with Tusla and probably even to have any dealing with any state organisation. Um, like, do, do you think that there's any alternative then for where that piece of the, that, that, those, that database of 60,000 people, where could it go that people might be more um, more comfortable with asking for their own details out of it and do you think they will be given details out of it even, even if they do ask from Tusla? You see, yeah, the, the part of the difficulty that people will say that they have with Tusla is that it's when you're an adopted person or a fostered person going to look for information that you're considered a third party even though technically that's your family and that mm-hmm. causes um, a huge amount of, of difficulties and I, I think you'd really want to consult with survivors about where they feel the information should, should go. I do know that an argument has been made that it could go to the National Archives Centre um, that obviously they deal with archives and they deal with you know um, identifying records and dealing with people's information that, that they already you know, there's already a building there, there's already you know, expertise there, so that they might be the ideal people to deal with that. And that's just one argument. But I mean, what I would be saying is um, there should be a consultation period with survivors, but the difficulty is if it's sealed for 30 years, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. is this like, what do you think will we'll happen that? next with this, Kathleen? The bill, as I think, as you said, it's it's passed um, in the Dáil last night. It's gone, yeah, as I think you said, it went to the Shannon today and was presumably passed there. Is that is that it, and it's it's just off up to um, President Michael D Higgins for his signature at this point, or is is there anywhere else did, it can go from point, a, from a from a legislative process? Yeah, at this point, with that piece of legislation, that's that's what will happen next. Um, we are looking to bring forward, or we're looking to see if we can bring forward some sort of legislation to see if we can, I suppose, rectify this for want of better words. I mean, we had a number of amendments into the bill that we barely even had a chance to discuss yesterday. There was very mm. little time and there was no vote on any of the amendments. Mm. So, think, um, just one, one last one for you, Kathleen, then, given, given the, the way things are looking and if it does get enacted and there's a, as a lot of people, as you are saying, are, could be very, very unhappy with it. Do you think it'll be challenged in court? 
there's the potential for that, but that could take so many years and it could cost a huge amount of money that really, look, it shouldn't be that people have to go to court. I imagine that it could be open to that, all right, but I do hope that we might be able to look and, and see if, if we could bring forward some sort of counter legislation mm. and if the minister is as interested as he says he is in listening to people and, and talking to people, well then maybe they would support something like that. Yeah, it sounds like as if maybe there's a bit to go on this one and this one yet. And um, look, thanks a million for joining us, Kathleen. It's been lovely talking to you again as usual thanks. here on Radio Kilkenny City. Very best wishes to you. Have a lovely weekend. Thanks very much. You're very welcome. Thanks very much. That was Kathleen Function, uh, TD from Sinn Féin, of course, and spokesperson on children and youth affairs. I think that's about all we've time for on today's Kilkenny Today. Um, lovely to have had you with us and our, your company for um, the afternoon for the last hour. Uh, just to let you know, Paul Brophy is live tonight on Communities in Action at 7pm after the sports show. And then Jared Donovan will be standing in later on tonight for John Marr between 10 and 12. That's all from me for this afternoon. I look forward to being back with you, whether from the Raidstown Studios, more than likely, or whatever way. Anyway, I look forward to joining you again on Tuesday. Thanks very much for being with us. And thanks indeed to Declan Gibbons for doing the sound desk for me while I enjoy myself here in Raidstown. And thanks to Anne Nolan for helping me out with production of the show as usual. Take care. Have a lovely weekend. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM.